So there's this perception out there that what we say might happen or we think will happen is actually what we want to have happen. And sometimes that is, in fact, the case. I would love for Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz to meet in the Wimbledon final because that would guarantee some kind of a profit uh, in one way, shape, or form from my sports betting standpoint. But there's the other part where just because you say something is going to happen or you think it will happen doesn't mean that's the case. And that's the part where you can extrapolate if you like to throw a couple shekels down on an event and say... I'm just looking at this from an outside observer. For example, I'll use women's tennis. Anj Jabor, great story. We'll discuss it uh, along with college football with Chuck Culpepper, the Washington Post, around 545 today here in the Fast Lane, slated to join us after some technical and scheduling issues yesterday. Um, but, you know, I wanted Iga Svatek to win Wimbledon because that's one of my favorite players. And um, obviously may or may not have had a bet on that as well. That obviously is not going to come through. But I can understandably say this much. It doesn't mean I'm not happy that Anj Jabor is in the final and that she's a heavy favorite and could win and avenge what was a crushing loss last year, not just because I had a 32-1 to ticket on her and she was up a set and then blew the second set and lost in the third set and there went the potential for like $900. Gone. 960 I can feel the bitterness. It is. It was painful. But the thing is, Trey... Like I, someone who may or may not had a Justin Haley ticket last week to win the Xfinity race. You know, you've been in that spot before. I have. We all have. But sometimes you can separate what you want to happen versus what's reality. Sometimes they are blurred together. And I say this because it's mistakable to say that Jay Wolfolk of Virginia choosing to focus now, news coming out today, just on baseball and not on football is in and of itself an indictment of where the Virginia football program is. Because, especially if you're a Virginia fan, you notice this departure from your program today, not that he was expected to be a quarterback because he wasn't around for the spring all the time because of his baseball pursuit and obligations, and eventually you're going to have to pick that in all likelihood unless you're you know, Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson or Brian Jordan. You know, For the most part, anyone else, eventually you have to pick one road or the other. And Jay Wolfolk picked baseball. That in and of itself is probably the smartest business decision. Baseball contracts are more lucrative. They're fully guaranteed, unlike the NFL contracts. Also, people overpay if you're a halfway decent pitcher in baseball. Whereas in the NFL, it's hard. And Jay Wolfolk was never a can't-miss quarterback prospect. So if you're a fringe at quarterback, probably not going to get a big deal. Maybe you're a career backup. God, I'd take the baseball salary all day, every day. Heck, you're a reliever who comes in and has a good career as a relief pitcher, and Jay Wolfolk was a reliever for Virginia this year. That, that's been his role. You know, good for him. That's probably what would be the smart financial decision, and if it aligns with where your passion is. And sometimes people go with their passion over finances. Sometimes it blurs together. Sometimes it's just financial. And, you know, hey, people make business decisions in sports like in life. But Jay Wolfolk announcing today in and of himself – that he's just going to focus on baseball should not be an indictment. That alone on Virginia football and what's going on. I don't think you even need that if you're a Virginia fan and you're questioning the direction of the program under Tony Elliott, which I think is fair and reasonable. Again, not what I want to happen, but what I think is reasonable to say, especially when it comes on the same day that Virginia Tech just secured their third top 10 player in the Commonwealth of Virginia. 
Kylan Adams joins one of the other receivers, Chance Wiggins, and the defensive end Johnson, who picked Virginia Tech over Virginia. And if you follow the kids' social media profiles and our friends at TechSideline.com had a really good article up on this about a week ago around the time of the Johnson kid, the defensive end who committed to Virginia Tech, his commitment. But the amount of interest and engagement he got from Virginia Tech was strong. From Virginia, not so much. And that, I think, speaks to a bigger point that was clearly prevalent before today on Virginia football. And that is, if you're talking about perception around the programs, yeah, it is the fact that Virginia doesn't appear to be gaining momentum or have any at all versus Virginia Tech, which, coming off a 3-8 and season, seems to have momentum. They upgraded their roster initially with the transfer portal. They had a a good, solid recruiting class this past year in the first year of the cycle for Brent Pry, and then uh, they held it together the prior year, and now they're building one with, again, as we noted earlier, now three of the top ten players in the Commonwealth of Virginia committing to Virginia Tech. There's Liberty. What could they do with a coaching change from Hugh Freeze to Jamie Chadwell? Hugh Freeze, we know, was very adept at procuring talent, For Liberty, maybe guys that had some uh, character concerns and red flags elsewhere. I mean, let's call a spade a spade on that. Um, In a lot of cases, they, for the most part, Dady Hunter's, uh, you know, off the field situation at the end of the season and the coaching transition aside, by and large, they were pretty well behaved during their time at Liberty. And sometimes it's just needing to mature. Malik Willis has been open about that, that he needed to mature at quarterback from his transfer from Auburn to Liberty. But Hugh Freeze was adept at identifying those players, creating the right environment, and doing what he had to do to get the most out of them as football players. The question was, could Jamie Chadwell still bring in high-end talent and find a way to win? The bringing in high-end talent part looks like it's being answered with an affirmative. I mean, if you look at what Liberty's done in the transfer portal and building their first full recruiting class this year under Chadwell by Group of Five program expectations, it's looking very good. Then there's Virginia. The perception around the program before today, again, this is irrespective of Jay Wolfolk, what I think making the right decision, if you're just saying from a raw business standpoint, hey, you got to pick baseball or football, given where his career is, I probably would have picked baseball as well. But irrespective of Jay Wolfolk bailing on the Virginia football program, that's probably too strong of a word, but it's the one that came to mind, and opting to go with Virginia baseball, combined with another big player from Virginia committing to Virginia Tech, and Virginia was not amongst his finalists, But you put all that together, there is a perception part to Virginia. Because Virginia last year, most people would say, Trey, they underachieved with the talent they had. There were the same offensive pieces that Bronco Mendenhall and Dr. Bob, for all of his warts, including the ridiculous pass to the left tackle against Virginia Tech, they got a lot out of that talent at quarterback with Brennan Armstrong, at wide receiver with, God rest his soul, Lavelle Davis Jr., but Billy Kemp as well, Dontavian Wicks, Others who regressed or had gone on to the NFL like Jelani Woods. There are plenty of examples of that. But the Virginia offense clearly regressed last year, and the team did as well. Meanwhile, you combine that with all those talented players, plus some from defense, including guys like Fentrell Cypress and others, hitting the transfer portal, and then not replenishing them with premium caliber transfers. Tony Musket may prove to be good, but he came from Monmouth. You get another couple of players that came in. They're either Power 5 guys who played limited snaps or players from smaller schools, not key contributors at schools like Virginia Tech added. And then you're losing head-to-head battles or not even being in the finalist group for players from the Commonwealth of Virginia, whereas Virginia Tech is. And then, of course, look down the road at Liberty University and the momentum they've got going. Yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable to say. And there's this theory out there that I want Tony Elliott to fail, so it proves my theory right. 
aren't wrong. I want Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Liberty to all be good because it gives us more to discuss. There's better fan interest when all the teams are good. So it's better for our show. The interest is there. I mean, non-revenue sports are an example, but there's interest in the fast lane and in some of the games that we broadcast and the content we carry when University of Lynchburg Baseball wins the Division Three World Series. Virginia and Virginia Tech Baseball and Softball have made their runs recently. Virginia Lacrosse has done that as well. That boosts us during months like May and June when there's not a whole lot going on in the sports calendar, particularly on the college level. Same thing is for Virginia Tech basketball, Virginia basketball, Virginia Tech football, Virginia football, Liberty. It's good for us the more all those sports are better. But that doesn't change the fact that there is the reality out there, Trey, and that is it seems that the perception, as we noted yesterday in the fast lane, is much better around Virginia Tech and Liberty than it is around Virginia, even if you take out the news of the player committing to Virginia Tech, the wide receiver, and the other player, Jay Wolfolk, saying no more to Virginia football to focus on baseball. Well, you could just take the words I said yesterday and like spew them back out. There has been no improvement amongst the Virginia Cavaliers since Tony Elliott has been the head coach. It's been regression. Um, yeah, it's been straight regression. Like, Tech has improved, whether it's through recruiting, whether it's through infrastructure. Like, I... That's an underrated part. I don't know if UVA's infrastructure in terms of what they want to invest into the program is improved. Well, you could clearly see it with Virginia Tech with the way they're recruiting, with the people they've brought on. Uh, the same thing goes for Liberty. Liberty has improved. Uh, it, it, it's kind of... I think Tech is the better comparison just because it's a Power 5 ACC program. They're both Power 5. Like, you can't really compare Liberty and UVA in terms of... It's just they're not going for the same competition because even if this Virginia, if you put this Virginia team in the CUSA, they probably could win the league. Like, let's be real here. I don't know. They probably finished third, the Virginia team, to Liberty and Western Kentucky. They could, okay. Let me put it this way. If they put, they could win that league compared to what they would do in the ACC, which is, I would argue, they might not even win a game in the ACC. Like, it's, I'm just saying it's hard to compare Liberty's program and UVA's program just because they're at different points. But that that's a side point. But Liberty has improved. Virginia Tech has improved, clearly. And UVA is not. And it's going to be... This is like the crossroads year, I think, for Tony Elliott. Because Clemson's offense, like every part that he's touched, has gone down since Trevor Lawrence left Clemson. Like that has been the turning point for Tony Elliott. Clemson offense regressed. And we'll see if it changes this year. You know, Clemson offense was not great under DJU and was not great last year, um, where they had a national championship caliber defense. If Garrett Riley fixes that, and then UVA's offense continues to struggle after putting up historic passing numbers the year before he came here, like, that's a real issue. Because the offensive guy should improve the offense, and the offense hasn't improved at all. It regressed, and that's a big issue. That is a real issue, and honestly, I don't see it regressing at all. Like, I don't see it improving at all. So, it goes back to plain and simple. Tech and Liberty are in a better place right now because, simply put, they are improving, whereas Virginia is is not is not and it's it's unfortunate that we're like we have to we're talking so negative about Virginia because the hope is 
is that they, you know, have a have a successful year after what ha- how they ended last year. But you're opening the year against, I would argue, the most lethal offense in the co- in in the country, or one of. In One Tennessee. of the most well-designed offenses. Well, uh, le- that, so I'm right. Lethal. Like, let's just put it this way. There can be a lot of big plays when Tennessee... Joe Milton can throw the ball over this building. Like, three buildings. And if they cor- fix any sort of his accuracy issues with the arm talent he has, Tennessee's going to be a dangerous team. They're going to be a good team anyways. They're going to put up a lot of points. So the game one's going to test, because Tennessee, I don't think, is going to have the best defense. It might be mildly improved from last year. But they're going to put up a lot of points. And I don't even care who the defense is. They're just, that's how good their offense is. It's going to be a test for Virginia. And if you open up that season with a a blowout against a, it's going to be a top 10 Tennessee team. That's not a good start. And the problem is, if you look at the schedule, it where does it let up, Ed? JMU, Maryland, who are both bowl teams, or JMU should have been, if not for that stupid so, NCAA rule, and then William & Mary, who by all accounts is a top 10 team in one AA before you get into ACC play. So what, is the one guaranteed win this year, William & Mary? Because I don't it, even know if I put them as a guarantee. I'd say they'll be favored against JMU, and they'll be a favorite against William & Mary. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't know about JMU, but I would say William & Mary. Eh, it's the F- FBS uh, versus Group of Five. They'll probably be the favorite. The line is actually probably out for that game. We could look it up. But we could look that up later, but the point is I think we're foreshadowing our votes of confidence here's, here's season win projections. Two of their three non-conference games are going to be in games, and I'm talking about Tennessee and Maryland, where they're going to have to put up points. Because Maryland also has a really good offense under Talia Tungvaloa. Mike Loxley's a really good offensive play caller. They have really good weapons on the outside. So you're going to have to put points up if you want a shot in your first two games. I don't know about JMU. They lost their quarterback. I think they're going to regress a little bit this year. That could be more of a defensive game. Let's think about it that way. North Carolina. They're going to have to put up points against North Carolina because Drake May is going to put up a lot of points. Let's assume Miami's offense gets fixed. That's a big assumption, but they're going to have to put up points against Miami, and they're going to have to put up points against Louisville. And There are a lot of games this year where they're going to have to put up points, and I don't trust them putting up points. You and me both. I mean, that's the big concern that I have for Virginia is and how are they going to match other teams offensively with a coaching staff that struggled to make the most out of what you could say were probably more talented pieces last year than what they now have this year. Is the scheme that dependent on it? Uh, and we'll get that. We're going to shift our what he said, what he meant on DJU and his comments to tomorrow in the fast lane because we're also getting some feedback on this at fast lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, we want to have time for our guest today, your colleague Dalton Hopkins for front stretch.com at 5:30 and then Chuck Culpepper of the Washington Post weighing in on this and other things at 5:45. But the point you bring up, yeah, I mean Virginia's going to have to find a way to put up points and I'm less confident in them. I, not to say that I'm super bullish on Virginia Tech 5 or Liberty 9 is their season win projections this year and again we can give official thoughts on this as perhaps part of our votes of confidence tomorrow. But in essence, you can probably figure out where Trey and I are going on Virginia and do some common sense. And I mean, hey, if you're listening online, I think the number is the same. It's been all offseason, which is a head scratcher to me. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say one more thing is um, if this was a defensive coach they hired, I think the conversation is different. But it's the fact that this was Tony Elliott who did produce a 
Deshaun Watson, a Trevor Lawrence, and had, you know, is an offensive coach, you expect the offense to get better or at least stabilize last year. Or at least find a way to properly utilize pieces and make some kind of adjustment last year, which at no point he tried was there to, a sign of he that. He tried to take a, a square peg and put it into a round hole with their offense. And, you know, maybe they just need the right people in. And this year they've seemed to adjust. But uh, we'll see. Yes. Well, if you need to adjust what's working for you to get in shape, InsaneRadioDeals.com has the solution for you, and it's real easy. It's going there and then getting an individual, couple, or family membership to Cross White Athletic Club. They are good for three months. You can try it out and figure out what part of Cross White Athletic Club you like the most. Maybe it's the access to the indoor swimming pool. Maybe it's the access to one of the best birthday party facilities in the entire region. Maybe it's just access to weights and equipment to get better. Maybe it's the indoor tennis courts, or maybe it's a number of different things. That's available for you at a better rate than anywhere else you could probably find it. InsaneRadioDeals.com, those Crosswhite Athletic Club individual couple and family memberships. And oh, by the way, if you need to change things up better than the Virginia offense did last year, perhaps you need to change up what's going on in your summer, then guess what? InsaneRadioDeals.com also with Lynchburg Hillcats general admission and reserve seating tickets with a $10 food voucher. Buy the tickets. Let us know the game you want to attend. We'll get you connected, and you'll be good to go. Oh, if you need to change up your look, the Lotus Beauty Bar, there are also gift cards as well at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now it's time for other thoughts and some good news, actually, to kick things off for UVA fans in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So first of all, again, this is just worth reiterating. I want, unlike Trey went to Virginia Tech, I want Virginia and Virginia Tech and Liberty and all the Virginia schools to be as good as possible. But we do have to call a spade a spade. And maybe when it comes to Virginia basketball, where, again, they've struggled at points over the last couple of years. But I'll give Tony Bennett the Tony Bennett the benefit of the doubt because he's always maximized talent. He still has developed guys into NBA prospects, and oh by the way, he's brought in talented recruits and has won a national championship. Uh, there are a lot of reasons why, if you're a Virginia basketball fan, you can be fairly patient with what's going on in the transition. Another reason is I think they hit a home run with not just Johnny Carpenter being promoted uh, to an assistant coach at UVA, but more notably Isaiah Wilkins. He's known as the type of guy that was a rim protector who got the most out of his assets. He's the one guy, and people may forget this, but he's the one guy who was part of the loss to UMBC and yet was not able to be around the following year as a player on the team that wound up winning the national championship. And that type of lesson... That type of ability to bring that into a program, I think has a very good ability to be a positive and powerful impact for Virginia basketball. Because you can let kids know about what that disappointment is like and that sometimes you may never get that chance and therefore maximize every day of training, every day of practice, every step that you're taking. That's one of the big things that comes from this. And oh, by the way, from a raw skill standpoint, um, rim protectors. Virginia's got a couple of pieces there with minor, maybe Dunn blossoms into that. The kid who transferred in from Oklahoma as well. But Wilkins was a guy who got the most out of his athletic ability and was that type of rim protector that could be aggressive down low and help pave the way for Virginia. And now you've got that as an asset to teach. I think it's a really good point. And you bring that in, plus Chase Coleman being a graduate assistant now at Virginia as he was the walk-on last year. Are the UVA basketball team, are they becoming 
Duke Light under Coach K where he would promote all his guys to be assistants? I think it's a little bit of a stretch because there are other guys like Jason Williford, Ron Sanchez, and Johnny Carpenter who didn't actually play for Tony Bennett at UVA, but it is worth fun, a fun question to at least throw around. Number four. Theathletic.com has reported a couple of nuggets when it comes to NASCAR scheduling. One, they are looking to go international when it comes to scheduling. And whereas adding a race in Brazil, Europe, Mexico, or the Middle East is not considered feasible until 2025 at the earliest, Canada is something that has been continuously discussed as soon as next year. Also, theathletic.com reporting, something that we've known for a while and that you and your colleagues at frontstretch.com have discussed, Trey, and that is the potential of swapping out the Bristol dirt race and sending that date to North Wilkesboro for a cup date. Uh, it's all owned by the same company, Speedway Motorsports. Why that one could likely happen? Um, I, I look. If it were up to me, I'd love to have a couple of dates at Bristol and a couple of dates at North Wilkesboro. But realistically, um, even if you just kept North Wilkesboro on as an all-star race, maybe you turn Bristol into an all-star race plus a night race. It has struggled with the dirt surface. Not a lot of fans are a fan of that. I would rather it be a traditional dirt track. Although I know politics are involved. But, I mean, combine that with the other reality, and that is NASCAR needing to logistically figure out markets like Brazil, Europe, Mexico, or the Middle East, whereas they've got a track on which they've raced previously and recently in Circuit Gilles in Montreal. It makes that a more logical suitor and a logical option for NASCAR to continue in its future scheduling model. Number three. This was an inevitability, but the New York Jets, after signing Quincy Williams this offseason three years 18 million dollars rewarded his brother and the better player Quinnen Williams with a four-year 96 million dollar extension it is kind of cool that they're brothers and both got paid in the same offseason both get life-changing money one a lot more than the other but the market was realistically set way back when Deron Payne agreed to his extension with the Washington Commanders and built on what they gave Jonathan Allen in the offseason they've all lined up in this four-year 95 to 100 million dollar range range jeffrey simmons down in tennessee um former eagles defensive tackle javon hargrave out in san francisco is another one there's clearly a market as there should be for interior pass rushers and disruptors i'll use that in a good way not in a hey we want to disrupt things but really don't have a plan we just like the idea of disrupting which is often used in business these are actual disruptors who contribute to the success of an organization. Yes, they're often mercurial individuals, but the truth is it's hard to find these type of players that have moved around. Quinn and Williams is the latest example of one of these players. The value is sky high for them, which is why they get a lot of dollar dollar bills, y'all. And they have this offseason. Number two. NASCAR and the modern era ballot for the Hall of Fame. The votes could be coming at any particular point in time. And there are a number of candidates who are on this potential ballot or on this ballot for NASCAR. Neil Bonnet, Jeff Burton, Carl Edwards, Harry Gant, Chad Knauss, Jimmy Johnson, Ricky Rudd, and one from the following of Donnie Allison, A.J. Foyt, and Dave Moody out of that particular bunch. And do you really think it's going to be a question of two of those? No, because if I'm looking at who gets in from the initial two that we rattle off, I think the combination that won seven national NASCAR Cup Series championships and Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals will get two of those. Are you on board with the same two? Yeah. 
as you listen on the happy, uh, Bring the Heat with Brian Nolan. We talked about this. Yes. Well, I haven't heard that one. I've listened to the Happy Hour podcast earlier today. You get a shout out in the the Brian's podcast. That that warms my heart, Trey. You can but hear he it beating a little bit faster. He accuses, accuses me of talking crap about you behind your back, which you know I don't. No. I mean, you know... But it, it, I, kn- I already said how you would take my side, but you can listen and I'll, I won't spoil the whole thing for you. We'll use that for another time. In the meantime, yes. I mean, if you're talking about the two group of Ricky Rudd, Chad Knauss, Jimmy Johnson, Harry Gant, Carl Edwards, Jeff Burton, Neil Bonnet, and a couple of others who are going to get out of that group, the two that go, it's no question. I mean, I wasn't a Johnson and Knauss fan, although I've respected tremendously the success they brought to NASCAR. Um I think it's a no-brainer. And then you're talking about the group afterwards that we mentioned. Donnie Allison's probably the one who's going to get it because that family means so much to NASCAR and motorsports. It seems to be that easy. And number one on the Fast Five at five is Really glad to hear this. I wish Corey LaJoy got a bigger ride, but the fact that he and Spire Motorsports are working on finalizing a multi-year extension uh, expected to be completed in the coming weeks, and that, of course, also according to The Athletic, it, it is really cool because he's one of those guys that fits that every man mold of a NASCAR driver and to whom fans have been able to relate. And now that he's going to get those dollar, dollar bills y'all. from an extra multi-year deal, it's really cool to be able to see. And there is your Fast Five at five When we return in the Fast Lane, more on NASCAR. From the race weekend at Atlanta, do they need to do something about weather delays? Plus, what to expect at New Hampshire this weekend. We're going to ask a question of Trey's colleague from FrontStretch.com. Lobster. Do you like lobster? I do like lobster. Okay. In New Hampshire. Lobster in New Hampshire. I can't quite do it the way you can. In the meantime, more on that and a question that we were going to, we're going to debut this question next in the Fastlane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Oh, it is dangerous.